Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's Word together on this wonderful Wednesday, the year of our Lord Jesus, 2024, January 17th. It's a great day because our King reigns. Our King rules over this earth. This world is not just a mindless running out of disorder, chaotic thing. No, no, this world is Jesus's inheritance and he is ruling and reigning over it. He is conquering evil. He's establishing his kingdom. It's a good day. So rejoice and be glad in this day. So good to have you all along. Hey, Megan. Good morning, Lewis, Caitlin, Martha, Sunday Life. Good to have you. Ken, uh, if you put in the title, what did Paul mean by that? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I should change that, shouldn't I? Because, uh, as I'm going to show you, man, it gets me thinking. All right. Well, since you brought it up, hey, Edgar, good to have you with us. Since you brought it up, let's dive in. So we're in Romans 13, and we saw yesterday, especially, the uh, command to love and love being the fulfillment of the law. That'll come back in here in just a moment. So there we go. He says, so uh, verse 12, love your neighbor, uh, love to the neighbor works no ill. The love, therefore, is the fullness of the law. And this, knowing the time, that for us the hour already is to be aroused out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we believed. The night advanced, day came near. Let us lay aside, therefore, the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of the light. Now, a couple things that uh, I, I want to point out grammatically as we go through. This is a, maybe, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to this text, but uh, I can see it going one of two ways. And I'm not certain which way I think it goes. So I will lay them out for you and you can decide for yourself what you think. So one possibility is that Paul is kind of just using a, a common general metaphor for Christians to be awake kind of thing. So it would read something like this. We know that the hour has come. It's already here. That it's, it's the hour to be awake. We are Christians and we're not to live in darkness. Our salvation is nearer than when we believed. Of course, that's by definition true for everybody all the time, right? If you're a Christian, uh, you believed and then your salvation is nearer than it was. That's assuming Maybe I shouldn't say this is obvious. It is assuming something about the definition of salvation. You see that? It's the hour already is to be aroused of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. I think it's easy to just assume that means the day that we will be saved in heaven or something like that. And so if, if that's what it's getting at, then yes, of course, we're closer, every Christian forever is closer today than they were yesterday kind of thing. The day of salvation is nearer. So that may be what he's getting at. The night advanced, the day has come near, we're, we're awake, it's daytime for us, the lights have come on, 
So set aside the works of darkness, put on the armor of light, right? That, that may be what he's getting at. However, it's also possible that this does tie in to 70 AD. I don't know if Ken was uh, just trying to be funny there or if he was, oh, he okay, he said, I was just kidding about the 70 AD part, but let's dig in. Yeah, so what if he is talking about the stuff that we just saw in Daniel. Now, if you are catching this series down the road, uh, I'm teaching this morning, January 17th, 2024. We just finished an interruption of Romans, and we spent a couple weeks on a series I called The Kingdom in the Last Days. And we walked through big sections of Daniel and then Matthew 24 and saw that the kingdom and the coming of the Son of Man were all describing events in the first century. Well, maybe I just had that on my brain because that's what we just went through. Or maybe that shows up more in the New Testament than we tend to think. So let me just, I don't have, I'm not going to take the time. This would, this would require a great deal of investigation. And I, I want to keep walking through Romans. But let me just give you a sampling of why it could be referring to the same thing. First of all, look at the, the time reference here. In verse 12, it says, the night advanced and the day came near. That's not quite, even for a, the literal translation, that's not quite literal. In fact, let me just see if any of the other translations. Uh, oh, interesting. The NAS says the day is near. No, it's not the day is near. Let me see what the ESV says. Uh, the day is at hand. No, that's that's not good. NIV. The day is almost here. Interesting. Interesting that all these different tenses here. So the the tense of this verb it's it's perfect tense, which means it's something that started in the past and is continuing now, it sh we should put a have or a has in there. So it should say the night advanced and the day has come near. So the day has started and it continues into the indeterminate future. We don't know, you know how far it's going to go. Uh, yeah, Lewis got it there. The day has drawn near. which does influence the, it, it, I don't know, for me, again, maybe I'm just reading it through the eyes of what we've been through recently, but it, it's a little different nuance for me. So the night advanced and the day has drawn near. Sounds very much like Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it is near, and so on. This, uh, the works of darkness and armor of the light. Again, I want to go back and just walk you through big chunks of like Isaiah. Um, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is talking about Zion. Uh, this idea of darkness and light. 
uh, aroused out of sleep. You see the, the verbal link there between this section in Romans and what I just read in Isaiah 60. Arise, shine. Uh, that would be the idea of rising up out of, out of sleep, out of slumber. The, the hour already to be aroused out of sleep. Okay. Uh, the glory of the Lord has risen on you, for behold, darkness will cover the earth, the deep darkness, the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, kings, to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes and see. Uh, he, he goes on, the wealth of the nations will come. Uh, he brings in all of these statements of blessing for the coastland. Uh, your gates, this is again talking about Zion, will be continually open. They will not be closed day or night so that men may bring you the wealth of nations with their kings led in procession for the nation and the kingdom which will not serve you will perish. Uh, on and on and on and on. Where I'm getting at is he just keeps going, talking about their blessing. The sun will no longer set. Your moon will not wane. All your people will be righteous, the branch of my planting. Uh, this, and then 61, continuing the oracle, this is now talking about Jesus, the Messiah, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He appoint, anointed me to bring good news, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty and so on, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Uh, where I'm trying to get to is there's a verse here as this continues. There it is. I will rejoice greatly. This is now uh, probably Zion responding. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and he has wrapped me with robes of righteousness. So he, the, the, the verbal link is what I'm getting at is the time of the Messiah coming to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Wake up. Uh, it's not a time of darkness anymore. It's a time of light and salvation is coming. That is similar to the language that is used here. So I think it's at least possible that he is describing that kingdom salvation slash resurrection stuff that we saw in Daniel. Don't know for sure. It, the urgency, the, the timing makes sense. He says, and this knowing the time, that's kairos, that's, that's a, a word for season, and it usually is referring to a, a prophetic season. Not always. Um, but when he uses this language, the, knowing the, the kairos, knowing this season, that for us, the hour already, remember the us is the first century audience. For us, the hour already is to be aroused out of sleep. Why? For now, our salvation is nearer than when we believed. If you keep in mind, hold in your mind that he's talking to a group of people who really did live in Rome in the first century and uses this kind of language that it's, it's time, the hour is here for us to be aroused out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we believed. I don't, for me, it doesn't make sense that he's simply giving a general um, metaphor of darkness and light and sleeping and waking for everybody, for every Christian for all time with all those now, already, now, season kind of things. So I want this, I, 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 it, it, it seems to me, I would lean more than 50% toward this being something 
having to do with all the stuff we've been talking about. But I'm not sure. Need to keep going. Uh, Geneva says, day is at hand. Yeah, the, it's not a present tense. It's not is. That's interesting. Um, your child of Elohim is bringing in bringing in more uh, other other texts here, which I am too. I'm, I'm bringing in Isaiah, but because I think this might be speaking of fulfillment of Isaiah, not because I'm um, like, like Jesus is the light. That's, uh, we just gotta always be careful. Of that. All right. Was there one other? Anyway, regardless of what that means, he says, we are to lay aside, let us lay aside, therefore the works of the darkness. So there are works that are accurately described as works of darkness. And he says, let us put on the armor of light. So we see this a lot in scripture. Uh, we see this, this difference between darkness and light. Uh, d deeds of darkness, this idea that th this when bad things are done, right? That's pretty common in scripture and outside of scripture. Um, and, and we have, we have to, we're preparing for battle. That's the idea of armor. We put on armor to fight. It's time to, to, to go to war and do so out in the light. That's, that's another verbal link to the Isaiah passage. Um, I rejoice greatly in the, in the Lord. This is, again, Zion speaking, my soul will exult in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with garland as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Uh, where uh, he's somewhere along here. He puts on the armor again. Uh, let me, let me, I should have looked this up already. Let me, uh, let me find that real quick. Just to show you that is in the context. Um, uh, it's in Isaiah 11, but it's also here in... Fifty-nine, seventeen. Okay, so I need to go back a little bit. Sorry, yeah, I should have should have pulled this up. Here we go. Uh, so I started reading in chapter sixty. If we back up a little bit earlier to fifty-nine, seventeen, uh, God puts on His armor, breastplate of righteousness, helmet, salvation, and so on, and then He leads into the same passage. So I may be wrong about that, but. The armor of light would be the the preparation for living in the light, as he goes on and describes, as in the daytime, let us walk properly. So the armor of light is our behavior. Walking in the daytime, not in darkness, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in promiscuity and licentiousness, not in strife and jealousy. 
but put on the Lord Jesus. Yes, that's the put on. That's the armor of light. It's walking in righteousness, submitting to the Lord Jesus. So think about this. As Christians, first century, and this would continue in every century, but to put on the Lord Jesus, to put on that armor of light means we put off the deeds of darkness, which here he describes as reveling and drunkenness, partying, partying in the, in the worldly sense of the word. Now that's different from feasting and celebrating, right? Christians should gather and rejoice together and celebrate and have a great time. but not the way the world does, getting drunk and leading to all kinds of sexual licentiousness and promiscuity, which he mentions here. And then he comes back to something else that he's already talked about, not in strife and jealousy. Christians are not to be partiers in the worldly sense. We're not to be sexually promiscuous and be part of the hookup culture, as it's called today. And we're not supposed to be people who go around picking fights and jealous of others. Those are works of darkness. But we're to put on Christ, righteousness, living in the light of who he is. And then he says this, that uh, probably won't shock you that I take it differently than most, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and take no forethought for the flesh for desires. All right, so here's where a lot of people are going to go and say, flesh, see, it's, it's sinful nature. I don't think so. What have I argued throughout this entire study of Romans that flesh means? Somebody? Let me give you a moment. What, what has flesh meant thus far in Romans? I know there's a slight delay here, but I bet you somebody's going to get this quickly. Flesh, we've seen it heavily in chapter 7 and other places. Yep, uh, Lewis said it. Under the law, Dale nailed it. Circumcision under the law. There's every reason, in my opinion, to see it mean the same thing here. Look at the context. He just said, quoting from the Ten Commandments, so he's brought Jewish themes back in, right? The one who is loving the other has fulfilled the law. Then he quotes several of the commandments, don't commit adultery, murder, steal, and so on. Loving your neighbor is fullness of the law. And then in chapter 14, he's going to get into this weaker brother, stronger brother discussion. And it's all about the weak in faith. The weaker brother is the one who is still bound by the law. And Paul says, don't judge one another. Don't fight over this. And, and just continues on through 14 
through 15. Where is it here? It comes back to Jewish things, talks about ministry and, and sacrifice and gospel and so on. So I, don't, I, think, the, uh, I think the context is the same. It, the flesh here is that he's, he's, after having just brought up the law and quoting the Ten Commandments, he's saying, put on the Lord Jesus and take no forethought or provision. The word is, could be translated providence. Uh, and that means to think ahead and care for something. Put on the Lord Jesus and, and don't give any concern to the flesh. Circumcision, the law, remember what the law did for the Jews, as he said in chapter 7. He said, the law aroused while we were in the flesh the sinful passions which were aroused by the law, the sinful desires, right? Don't give any forethought, provision for the flesh. Don't be circumcised. Don't put yourself under that law. And the word here for is literally the word into. I think he's saying the flesh that leads into those sinful desires don't give any room for that. Instead, you put on the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? It means you commit to serve Christ. He's the Lord. He's your king. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, right? He is the master. So you don't give provision of forethought to flesh and the law and circumcision you serve Jesus, your King, as Lord, and put off all those wicked, sinful desires for the Jews, which were aroused by the flesh, for Gentiles. It was just commonplace. That's what they did. Put all that off. Walk in the light. Awaken. You are awake. And don't pursue the works of darkness. Now, I... I told you, I think the, uh, the, I lean toward that accent of the salvation and the, the time being near and all that being the first century stuff. But obviously the command here would continue for all of us. And how important is it in our day, in our culture, to be diligent to put off those works and not be the partiers and the sexually immoral, those who cause strife and dissension, those who are jealous, that, that we've got to resist that. The temptations are there. We have to resist. You see these battles online, especially where these sins are minimized. Uh, there was a I forget, there was a leader, I think he was in the Southern Baptist Convention uh, last year, the year before, that there was a clip going around that he said, uh, you know, sexual sin, God whispers about sexual sin. And I forget what he was contrasting it with, that, that you know, God puts a megaphone to, uh, was it racism or something? No, he doesn't whisper about sexual sin. One of the things that's happened is, 
you know, the, the most recent battle for sexuality is the transgender stuff and tied closely to that is all the LGBTQ uh, stuff. And it seems like fornication, premarital sex, sex with someone you're not married to, is almost expected and it's taken very lightly. Like, yeah, everybody does that. Yeah, that's not good. But we've got to really deal with the, the gay agenda or the transgender. It's all in the same boat. And we are to resist it all. Because those are works of darkness. And as Christians, we cannot simply accept that some sexual sin is it's just going to happen. It's the way things are. It's pretty bad, but this other one. And we can't go there. And we put on the Lord Jesus and walk in righteousness. All right, I see a couple comments and then we'll wrap it up. Christ condemned sin in the flesh. The law was weakened by the flesh. Uh, yeah, were you, you were with us for all that. You know that that's all talking about circumcision, right? Uh, Christian Jews have been released from the law, so they shouldn't go making provision for it. Yeah, exactly. The law isn't the flesh. I'm a little confused here. Yeah, uh, child of Elohim, you were with us through all that. The flesh is talking about circumcision. Maybe you need to go back and watch uh, the teaching from chapter 7 because uh, we, we went through all that. Edgar says, I'm thankful the Lord took me, took that lifestyle away from me. Yeah, very good. And we, and we, have, we have to be active in, in putting that off. That's what he says here. Put that off and you put on the Lord Jesus. So uh, it's a battle that we've got to fight. That's why it's armor, right? We, we put on the armor and we say, nope, not going there. I'm not going to allow those temptations to win. I'm going to conquer them with the Lord Jesus. All right, very good. Uh, tomorrow's Thursday. We'll come back and we will dig into chapter 14, the weaker brother, stronger brother, and uh, see what that's all about. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.